This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top tier lineup. With Leap Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. After a week of car sightings, hotel stalking, and our fan base turning into a private detective agency, we've got our man. George Hurst has signed on a permanent. This is Blue Monday. Hello and welcome to the Blue Monday podcast covering all things Ipswich Sound since 2015. My name is Mikey Penty-Smith and joining me to discuss this exciting new arrival are Craig Fimbo and Joe Fares. Good to see you both and Craig, how happy were you to see a player we've enjoyed watching so much come through that door at last? Yeah, yes, it's um, a bit of relief I suppose. Um, Obviously very uh, excited that the collective um, fan base lost their minds for four J hours. I think, as you as you alluded to in your intro, um, stalking the poor fella from afar, whether it be in the car park at Portman Road or fo- following along the back streets, country roads of Suffolk, or uh, along the the quayside in um, in Ipswich. But yeah, it's just it's just a great move. It's it's the signing that you know, a lot of us would have liked to have happened. At, you know, after what he did for us in the last five months of, of last season. Um, obviously, from an integration perspective, it's fantastic. You know, he already knows the manager, he knows the players, he knows the fans. So it's not as if having missed out on um, a pre-season trip this week, he, he's not going to um, suffer any um, downside of that because he knows how we play and how we want to play. And as he fitted us like a glove for the tail end of last season, you know, he scored some ridiculously important goals for us. Um, as he alluded to in his... Um, interview that he did with the club. You know, he's he's just happy to be back. Um, it's nice to get a, a home for a 24-year-old on a four-year deal, which is another um, tick in the box. Um, and we we heard whispers that um, it, if he was going to move anywhere this summer, it was only going to be to us. You know, it was it was the one deal that he wanted to get done. Which, you know, if you take it at, at face value again, that's just. Uh, Another another tick in the box, a great plus for us. So yeah, you know, on the on the face of it, we we know what sort of player he is. But you know, looking from afar, looking from the outside in, he's a twenty four year old English centre forward, six foot three, swift, 
can bully defenders. So, you know, on a four-year deal, um, you know, Joe can chat about the financial side of things, but it only looks like a, a, a deal which can only be a benefit to us on the on the pitch and potentially off the pitch on a balance sheet as well. Indeed. Joe Fairs, welcome to the podcast. What a lovely shirt you're wearing tonight. Melchester Rovers. Um, could George Hurst be our Roy of the Rovers? <laughs> but let first of all, can you just talk about the financial side of this deal? There was a lot of talk about what this fee might be. And it sounds like it's £1.5 million plus add-on. Sounds like quite a good deal for us, right? Yeah, to be fair, that's the sort of price I was expecting. I know some people have seen what Sims have gone had gone for in a talking up that sort of fee is talking at the high end of it as opposed to the upfront part of it. But I think when he went he went to Blackburn last season there was a I think there was a five million buyout fee in there. But I guess that fee is in there if he goes to Blackburn and rips it up in the championship, that's what he would have been worth and Leicester wanted to protect themselves on that side. But ultimately he didn't. He didn't make any impact in the championship and that's the second loan spell he'd had in the championship where he didn't make an impact and then he came to Ipswich and like he did at Portsmouth the year before, had made an impact in League One. So I can see why the fee was sort of down at that level, one and a half million, rising to sort of potentially two and a half, three million. But I think we all saw enough of him in a in a side playing championship football for that back end of that season that the level he lifted us to from where we were before he came into what what we what he was after the, he went in, he looks like a player who maybe is a slow starter to a spell at the club. It takes a little while to get himself going, but he certainly got himself going at Ipswich. And when you look at his probably best performances in an Ipswich shirt, you probably go to the games when he was away at Derby, where he scored the goal and led the line superbly there. And he was up against... Aaron Cashin, who's sort of one of the highly rated defenders in in League One, he went to Bolton and probably really bullied that Ricardo Santos out of the mm. game there, who again is was seen as one of the best defenders in League One. I played the stand up, and then most impressively away at Barnsley when he sort of really, really did bully Mads Anderson out of the game there, who was who was a two million pound defender when he signed for Barnsley, who was in the League One team of the year, who was their captain, who has since signed for. Luton in the Premier League and he's like these are the defenders that he was showing he was sort of giving no change to as a striker so I, I think we can see that he is a player that is going to excel for us in this system in this league and yeah at 1.5 million for an English player there's always a premium on those that if he can come in and do what he did for us last season score 15 16 goals do that again next year he's probably a player that's going to be worth a hell of a lot of money so it's a no-brainer really at that fee. Could be an absolute snip, couldn't it? And he isn't just about the goals, is he either? So a good all-round centre-forward that we've signed. We're going to save the Q&A part of this because this is a Q&A show for later on in the show. We won't be right at the end. So please put a question mark at the end of any questions that you have um, so I can easily pick them apart from just general discussion in the in the live chat. Um, Craig, we're going to talk some more about, about Hurst then from what we saw of him last year and what we can expect this year. He really grew into that role as the main striker after a slowish start. Do we hope that because he knows the, he knows the, his new teammates, he knows how we play that he won't have that slow start again at the start of next season. Yeah, I think so. And also um, without much success, he also does know the championship having been in and around it for, for a little while. Um, But no, you're absolutely right, Mikey, in that, As I said at the start, you know, he's he knows how we play. He knows uh, the style. As you said, it's not all about goals. It's about occupying the defenders and letting 
the broadheads and chaplains of this world do their bit and, and score their goals. So it's a, it can be a selfless, um, quite t- quite tiring role at mm. uh, at times. Um, but then, as you say, you know, he, he started quietly. But again, in, um, refer- referencing his interview that he did, he himself said he became a better player over time. And you know, you, you could see the improvement that he made, the improvement that Ladapo made um, over the course of the season. Once once these coaches and the manager get their teeth into them. Um, you know, there's no reason not to expect a, a similar trajectory um, upwards upwards this season. You know how how steep that trajectory is remains to be seen. You know, it is a it's a leap in um, quality to to some of the teams in the division. But as we say, you know, he's he's a good age. He's a very very good um, physicality, um, and you know we've seen already albeit not being our player, but, you know, with four or five months under his belt with us, he did actually become a better player. And you can see that with your own eyes. So, you know, we've got no reason to expect that. Yeah, can you, can you see any onwards. any reasons why he wouldn't take to the championship this time with the players that he's got around him, Cray? Because well, to, said- to me, for me, he, he sort of reminds me of a, maybe a more mobile Alan Lee. And he was a very serviceable centre forward in the championship. I know it was a long time ago, but... Aside yeah. from that little bit of history, is there anything that points towards her struggling? I well, you know, obviously the re- as you say, you point to the the history. Well, he has got history of not doing particularly well in the championship, but it was yeah. you know in different circumstances with different teams in different environments. Um, what from what we've all seen um, since McKenna's taken over is that you know players, all players, have improved. I can't think of a player who's got worse under McKenna. Um, so, you know, I think we can go in with a certain amount of, um, hope and expectation that, yeah, he will, he will handle it this year. He may, he may not get a, um, you know, volume of goals, um, you know, a 20 goal a season championship strike. Crikey, we'd be looking at 10 million pound plus and we looked, looked to um, sell him on, but, you know, I think he'll certainly do a job in our team and let's say allow, allow us to play like he did for the tail end of last season. I think it's a very smart move for him as well to make because he's obviously, He'd been coming through at Sheffield Wednesday when he was in the sort of the son of the legend, coming through there, not quite getting his chance in the first team. And then he took that strange move over to Belgium when they were part owned by uh, the same owner as Leicester. So it went to Belgium, came back to Leicester. And then all of a sudden you've gone from being a player at a championship club who might have a chance of breaking through to a team that's up in Europe and doing well with no chance. And then it's just loaned out here, loaned out there. He, I think he had one or two years left on his contract at Leicester where he's obviously earning a decent whack of money and he could quite easily have just sat it out, waited till the end of the window, picked up another, another loan move. But if that had have gone like it did with Blackburn where you're coming late into it, you're not getting a run in the team, that that could be his, not career over, but his, his chance at the championship over and he's sort of having to drop down to a League 1, League 2 team when might, and not a team playing like we do, uh, sort of... Uh, mm. I don't know, name name your team here, earning a hell of a lot less money and just out of it like that, where if it's, let's say for us, he's coming into a system that he knows under a manager that he knows can improve him with a coaching staff that is going to get the best out of him. And I'm sure you hear like the deals for Jack Taylor in, in previously where him and McKenna are in contact sort of two or three times a week for months on end. And I think that it's probably been the same with George Hurst. Him and McKenna have spoken lots and lots. He knows what he's coming into and he's coming in to be a key player for a team here that's hopefully, and we all think it's going to be an up, upwardly mobile team. So this should be the move that ignites his career and puts him back in that trajectory that he was on previously. 
I'm just going to dip into the the comments here. Elliot Leader says one more striker needed. Unpopular opinion, but I'd love John Jules back if he can stay fit. He'd be great covered down the middle and in the wider roles. I think we're all probably in agreement with that. Although you have a slightly more unpopular opinion, Joe, which is shared with Philip Blundell. Makes me wonder if Big Fred is headed for the exit door. Can you see Freddie Ladapo potentially leaving Ipswich Town this summer? I, I can do, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. Like I say, you, you hear this talk that Charlton are in for him and Derby under Paul Hurst are in for him. And you think, well, there's, you only hear those stories if there is an inkling or an indication that he may be, he may be available for transfer. And, I, and whilst I'm not saying we're going to be pushing him out the door, we seem to be in for Ellis Sims. Well, I, I'm pretty sure we were always going to sign George Hurst. And is it a case that we were going to sign Hurst and Sims as the as the sort of rotating nine, the one that plays 60 minutes, the other plays half an hour and works for there? But I just, I just think it seemed so obvious at the end of the season what level Hurst had lifted us to in that number nine role above Ladapo. Do we not need to find somebody who's maybe more on a similar level to Hurst or even better to try and lift that further and... Like Freddie's been great for us. He's scored what, 21 goals last season. He's done his job. He stayed fit all season. But I think at 30, if you could pick up a little fee for him from League One and you can bring in somebody who's on a higher level for the championship, I, f- I think we'd be looking to do it. They're just difficult to find, aren't they, Craig? <laughs> the, these strikers that are at that level that we can afford. Yeah, that's right. And then reference to um, John Jules there, it's, <clears throat> excuse me, it's potentially going to have to be potentially going to, have to be a player with potential that you're signing rather than anything approaching um, the finished product. And I think in, in reference to the the John Jaws comment there, yeah, if he can stay fit, um, and you would have thought that if it was a deal that we were going to do, then would it have been done already, um, or is that a, a fail safe fallback option? Should we not be able to get um, another option in? Because I think talking about uh, the John Jules reference again is I, I would have thought if if we do keep Ladapo and Hurst, then another striker will have to be. You're not going to get a third striker to play that single role, if you know what I mean. You're going to have to have, as Joe was referencing, the 60-30 split between two strikers, but then you're going to have to start getting um, a striker or an attacker with a bit more versatility in terms of being able to play like John Jules did. He can play the wide roles. He can play through the middle. So I wouldn't be surprised that if we take Ladapo or a Ladapo re- replacement, you will also be after another striker or attacker, sorry, who can play any of those maybe two or three positions in and around the top end of the pitch rather than a single striker. Hmm. I think it's forgotten sort of how talented John Jules is as well. So it's just his fitness is the only issue, isn't it? There, like when hmm. you like the under 21s that won the European Championship last week, he was in that squad, the same squad that these players are in. A year or two ago, he he won caps in the qualifying campaign for that tournament, and that you see the level of those players there, the forwards in that squad. Anthony Gordon, who went to Newcastle for forty million, Morgan Gibbs White, who went to Forest for a similar fee, um, Emil Smith Rowe, Cole Palmer, who's playing at Man City pretty regularly, Noni Madueke, who's twenty odd million there, Balogun, who's gone to the US now but has scored twenty odd goals in Ligue 1 for this season, and you think that is that is the company Tyrese John Jules was keeping it is purely this injury that is makes it a concern but I, I totally agree with Craig it's if that deal was going to be a number one priority it would probably have happened by now but I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's one we revisit okay so let's 
just dip into the the comments here on um on Hearst. Let's let's wrap up George Hearst for now. I'm sure we'll jump back into the Hearst conversation before the end of the pod. But Paul Whitmore says on the 87th birthday of a great Ipswich Town centre forward, we sign hopefully another good one. And he says, how close must Crawford have been to being selected for the 1962 World Cup? Um, now I've pointed Paul in the direction of David Diamond's YouTube interview with or podcast interview for Blue Monday. I think it was a couple of years ago, wasn't it, with Ray Crawford? Must give that a watch if you haven't already. I'm sure Paul's already seen it. Uh, HGH says, one more striker in the building after Hurst, or is is that it up front? I think we're all of the opinion that there'll be at least one more through the door. Um, Norman Greenwood, happy Hurst has come. Is he a top-end championship striker? I think that remains to be seen, doesn't it, Craig? Mm. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, and and as sort of as Joe was talking about uh, a Ladapo replacement, you're not. I can't imagine even with our rich relative riches, we're going to be able to afford a nailed-on top championship striker. You know, a top Jamie two, Bard. three, four. Yeah, top two, three, four championship striker. You're going to have. You'll be buying someone. I say with with potential. I would have thought, but there's no reason. Not just I said earlier about trajectory and that you know they're they're back in the right horse aren't they at the moment with with George Hurst there's no reason not to expect that he'll continue to improve whether he improves enough to become a top champ um, striker remains to be seen. Hmm. Uh, the best niche comment comes from Louis Hunt Cole says reckon Tommy Miller will sell him the Audi or oh, he's asking if Tommy Miller will sell him his Audi TT so he can go unrecognised in Suffolk. It's a great idea, Louis. Thanks for that one. Uh, it was, to be fair, I just sorry, Mike. It, the 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 level of detective <laughs> detectivism—that's not a word, is it? Detection, private detect detection. You're right, was, Craig. The, yeah, sorry. <laughs> that was um, whizzing around our Telegram group was preposterous at times, wasn't it? There was yeah, people, you know, looking at number plates and the the where the number plate originated from in the country, and then looking at the place that he'd sourced his car from to see whether it linked up with the number plate. My goodness me. If you're not looking at that and being a little bit scared about your browsing history and what have you, then uh, I don't know when you will be. Was it all a little bit much, do you think, Joe, or is it all just good fun? Um, I think it depends on how it was seen, because the picture of Hearst walking into the Salt House, we know, because it was a guy on the Telegram who was walking home from work, and just happened to be there while Hurst and his partner were walking and quickly grabbed a photo. I, I think that's a bit different to if people were like actively going around hunting him down, which I, which I don't think was the case because ultimately the person who spotted his car at Portman Road is presumably sitting in that off at the council office overlooking the car park there and saw him there. And then I don't know, then it's up at the Nuffield, up at Ufford Park when it's on there. The, but I, I did mention like some people were talking about it being mad, but Ipswich is quite a small place. Yeah. And you, there's not that many places can't to go. Hide. And and people go to these places naturally, if that makes sense. But I, I can't imagine people were literally sitting there like outside the Salt House with 100 people there waiting to stalk him and, and yeah. find him then. You I are, suppose it's you nice that we have, we, have an engaged, we have an engaged fan base and players that are recognised now around the county by even, maybe even by casual Ipswich fans, whereas it wasn't that long ago where they could probably just walk around pretty much invisible. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure he's not going to be harassed any more than any other Ipswich player is no. now he's signed. But it, but it <laughs> yeah, was no more than any other. And there was obviously a sort of what for whatever reason the press weren't really reporting on the imminent status of the transfer. I, I assume the club had asked them not to because there was potentially some risk in the deal or one of those things. So the 
the press play ball with the club as they sometimes need to do. So it was, I think, people not needing to, but there was a there was that excitement about it. It's like, oh, he's here. We've seen him. Where does it go from there? But it was just, uh, I'd say, it, it was quite, parts of it were quite funny, I thought. But I, like I say, if people were generally going out and hunting him down, there's probably a little bit too much. If you're driving around the roads of Suffolk in a £120,000 Mercedes, you're, you're going to be spotted, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, as I've found to my detriment. <laughs> uh, Manolis says, really great signing, good age and fee. I like the way these signings are going. We're looking at the best players that fit the system rather than splashing money about. It certainly seems that way. Panic hasn't set in yet. Um, Philip Blundell says, Hurst will improve a lot under McKenna. Maybe by January, other clubs will show interest. Um, I think this deal they'll be signing will be hopefully strong enough and I, I, he'd have to be moving up to the Premier League wouldn't he for, for someone to be able to sign sign him yeah. off us and having signed, a, happens, four, having signed a four-year deal you know that's tied everyone in for at least one or two seasons you would have thought well we, we are in that position now at least though because the problem was when we were in League One that you weren't able to sell your players for a decent amount so when there was talk of who would you sell in the summer or and last year and oh there's a bit of interest in Wes Burns it's like well Wes Burns to us is probably worth five million pound at that point but nobody's going to pay that for him because he was a 28 year old league one player but now now we're in the championship there is that chance that if a player does well that if her scores 18 goals before january that somebody might want to come and pay a load of money for him and if that happens then you just have to get as good a deal as you can and say thank you and move on to the next one but now we're in the championship things can really start happening, can't they? And it's now, I think it's five players now, isn't it, that we've signed in that sort of one to £1.5 million range with hmm. Leif Davis, Nathan Broadhead, Harry Roughly Clark, Jack Taylor age. and George Hurst. It's, it's all five of them now, isn't it? And that's obviously the area of the market we're, we're looking at. And yeah, I'm sure we'll go more than that at times, but they're the sort of players which we never did under Evans where, hmm. like I say, we sold Tyra Mings, we bought him for 10000 sold it for 8 million and then rather than sign someone for 2 million we want to sign someone for 200,000 and try and repeat the trick where you needed to up that level of investment so that you are buying players that can sell for a bigger bigger cost afterwards yeah higher ceilings haven't they and none of them have gone down none of them are going down in value are they no definitely not exciting times ahead so hopefully our next signing will be a left-sided defender craig Apparently, young Arsenal defender Austin Trusty is on our list. He impressed at Birmingham last season. Looks like he could be a real coup. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, from the Telegram group, it appears that we, as you would have thought, we're not going to be the only club um, that's interested. And I believe he played for Arsenal in their preseason game today. So I don't think anything's particularly uh, imminent in that respect. But yeah, it's a, it's a name. And again, in reference to what Joe was saying there about um, age group and potential, you'd think that that may be a, a deal that's probably going to be above the 1.5 million that um, we spent on the other guys. But in terms of you know age range and potential, it's another one that's exactly there. But you're talking about English players being uh, a premium. Left-footed centre left-footed centre halves are also uh, got premium on their uh, mm. price as well. Indeed, they have Luke Penning. Wants to know your thoughts as well, Joe. Young with potential, or would you rather someone experienced like Cathcart come in? Young with potential for me. I think we've, whilst we haven't got mega experience in the side, we obviously signed Richard Keogh as an experienced player last season. But what what we actually got out of him on the pitch, it wasn't worth having him here, was it? What did he start? Four or five league games against 
probably teams at the bottom of the league effectively. We could have we could have survived without him. And I'm sure he had a positive influence in the dressing room and all that side of it there. But I don't think we really need to use a squad place up on some on someone like that for me. I think unless unless you're gonna do a bit of trading where you're gonna sign this young left sided player because we need a left sided player to compete with Burgess, you're then gonna sell Edmondson and then you bring in the experienced player. I, I could see that, but I I, I wouldn't want that fourth player to be Kafka, basically, because we then don't really solve the problem we've got on that left side of the defence. We just means we've either got Burgess there or somebody playing on the wrong side. Okay. But one man we have um, got through the door that isn't Hurst is... Isn't Hurst or Taylor, sorry, is the Manchester the young Manchester City goalkeeper, Kieran Slicker. Craig, um, only 20 years old, presumably a goalkeeper will suit our style with that Man City background. Um, do you expect him to be back up for Walton this season? Could you see Ladke going out or do you think he is that that sort of senior junior goalkeeper, if that makes sense, the third choice? Yeah, I think he's probably more likely to be Nick Hayes' replacement in the squad um, rather than Ladke's because um, I don't think we'll put ourselves in a position whereby should Walton break his finger at the stadium alight at the beginning of August that um, we're left with a, a 20-year-old um, goalkeeper to see us through the rest of the season. Um, I think he's pretty much going to come in to act as that third-choice um, keeper to keep up with the warm-ups and just in and around the squad. Um, I think Stuart Watson said it, didn't he, in East Anglian, that um, Nick Hayes will probably go out on loan somewhere. Because, you know, I think from Halagki's perspective, I don't think um, he's rocking the boat in any... Uh, respect. You know, he's not looking to to leave. Um, he's got another year on his contract, so I'd imagine um, in the whole scheme of things, it's there are worse places to um, to be playing your football or you know at least training your uh, training football than uh, Suffolk on a um, nice summer's day like today. But um, I think Halaki will probably see out this year, and then he'll go, and then they'll they'll put their heads together to work out what they get in terms of a um, a backup because it's a it's a difficult sell, isn't it, really, to come in back up to um, a nailed-on first-choice goalkeeper. Um, but then, you know, we're saying about Hurst doing well this year. If Walton does well this year, who knows what will happen to him. But, no, I think he'll come in as the, um, the third choice. And that's three summer signings um, by my account and counting. And next week, we'll be releasing my top 10 Ipswich summer signings from the past decade on our YouTube channel. So, please... Keep an eye out for that one. Make sure you, what is it? Smash that like button on YouTube. Do that not only for this show ring tonight, but ring that bell. And Joe, you had your first go at a solo video in the form of that Awake It video. I thought you did a fantastic oh. job. Excellent props again, just like Rich. <laughs> um, how much did you enjoy doing that? And um, how well has it been received? I, th- I think most people um, disagreed with some parts of it, but that's always, that's always the case in Rank. Because I did, I sort of tried to... Uh, not worry too much because the problem with the awake like with the home kits it's quite easy to rank them because you can generally tell what's a good home kit what's a bad one and they're all blue you're saying rich had a really easy job compared rich to had you. a very yeah. easy job where on, on the away kits because they're so different and conflicting styles one person might love it and one person might hate it and there's a certain kit that was in the number two position that was a bit marmite with the fan base but i won't reveal it now so everyone make sure they go out and <laughs> go out and watch that video and make sure i get more views on it than rich did for his video <laughs> 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash blue monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Wonderful. And Craig, have, have you got any of these short form content videos up your sleeve, do you think, between now and the start of the season? I, I, best, haven't, I best haven't. victories, best players of the early 90s. Oh, yeah. <laughs> celebrations. That ain't short form. But there's, that's, a, that's a long read. <laughs> equivalent, I think you'll find. Um, yeah, very possibly. You know, Keep your eyes peeled. There might be something closer to the... Uh, end of end of august possibly um but yeah so i think it's just something else we're trying just trying out isn't it these um while it's relatively quiet and we can't have these com- these type of conversations all the time it's just nice to you know keep people interested i think excellent and you were very much an interested party up in needham it was last friday wasn't it joe for the maidenhead friendly what did you learn down at bloomfields um but the curry in's a decent curry house. So went there and had a had a nice pre-match meal with some of the Telegram guys in the group and then wandered over. And I do Prince like Harry's, Need- Prince Harry's eating in that curry house before, Has I he? believe. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I do like Needham as a football venue because it's mm. – like, I was lucky that Gary was driving and he managed to pick me up and give me a lift there. But normally it's one we can get the train to. You walk straight out of the train station. You've got two nice pubs through the back. And it's a really nice setting to watch a game of football. Good supporters bar in there as well. So – Nice setting up there. I think the sort of main problem we found was the pitch was really dry there. The grass was quite long. The pitch was really dry, and we struggled to get anything going on that on that pitch. So it sort of became more of a more of a fitness exercise than a friendly. We we luckily we got the two goals. We did actually win the game, but it it wasn't really one you could take much from. The I guess the probably the most the most interesting thing was well. Second most interesting thing. First, first most interesting thing was that we saw Timmy Mallet, and he's a Maidenhead fan, and he um, rode his bike past us as we were going into the ground. And then the other actual thing that people will probably care about is the role that Leif Davis was playing in here, which sounded very similar to the role he played at Felix in the first game, where yeah. he was effectively stepping up from left back but moving across into 
into a midfield role. And then from that role, Jack Taylor was then pushing forward. So it's interesting. And I'm sure you could look at the um, sort of some of the videos when you watch of like Arsenal's tactics for last season or Man City, where they sit with like a free, free man defence across the back with two in midfield and then five in front of it. And mm. Leif Davis was sitting more as that second midfielder, plus also pushing up into a number 10 Z- position at times. Zinchenko role? Yeah. I was, like I say, I was calling him Leif Zinchenko at times. And okay. and when you look at the signings we've made, I, I do think that is maybe something we're going to be looking to do a bit more of there. So that's definitely one to watch. And I also think that Leif Davis just seems to have come back and it's like, okay, all of a sudden you've realised he is just our best player by a distance and you could put him anywhere on the pitch and he's going to be our best player. He's just He just looks that good and a level above anyone. Maybe sort of Nathan Broadhead may push him on that, but he does just look a level above anyone. So it's almost like how do we let him run the game? And I think that's probably what we're doing is a, a good way to do it. And like I say, there's a couple of other comments about the pitch. Colin talking about the bumpy pitch, yeah, and, and that, that was a problem. But hmm. Leif Davis is the one to watch. And I think he is going to be... Uh, monster player for us this season let's hope so can't see any reason why not um before we jump full time into the q a section craig we must talk about that viral social clip that the club released today which shows the blo- the boys playing football cricket i believe the term people use is wholesome content craig you're you're not there for the wholesomeness are you you're here <laughs> to be our blue mondays umpire did Mr. Grant make the right decision? Well, here's the thing. We'll just take it back a little bit. Sonny, Sonny Aluko, what a delivery. He's slung yeah. it. He's like Lassif <laughs> Malinga slinging the ball in. He's, he must have got a little bit of waist swing on it because Massimo Longo swinging from the hip. God knows how he missed like a, a nailed on half volley. Um, he got a big thick edge on it. I don't think there's any dispute in the fact he got a, he got an edge on it. Um, and from from first glance, I thought it was pr- pretty much a straightforward catch. Um, now, obviously, um, Lee Grant's gone to consult his. Um, well, he was he was umpiring from point, so he's gone to consult his square leg umpire for some reason. Um, and they came to the conclusion that the ball had uh, had been grounded before he got to it. I would disregard the um that i would disregard this footage here because as everyone who watches cricket knows the foreshortening of long lens um cameras when it comes to picking up um catches can be dismissed pretty much you know there's there's angles there's bumps in the grass etc i thought it was a good catch i'm going to put my neck out so it's good catch. i i so- will not be questioning the trustworthiness of um yeah, <laughs> harry clark and it's always nice to see an Aussie batsman dismissed, isn't it? Yeah, I, I noticed he didn't walk. No, <laughs> absolutely no chance. Do you think Clark would have um, shown him off? What's, what's the expression? Sorry, I failed myself there. What did what did Send, Ollie Robinson gave him the, do to David Warner? Gave him a send off. Send him off. Yeah. Send off. That's gave it. him a send off. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Harry Clark yeah. does seem like the type to to give somebody a send off, doesn't he? Very much, he's. I think he's very much in the Andre Nell, Merv Hughes um, school of, of cricket cricketers, shall we say? Yeah, he wouldn't be holding back. I don't think. Um, but so, Craig, no, as I'm you say, indul- I'm going to indulge you here, as it as it's the Ashes. Um, <laughs> I want you to pick out pick out some players from the current team. Just pick five who you think would be excellent cricketers in a certain position. Like who's your spinner? Who's your pace bowler or seam bowler? And I want to know who's who's your Ben Stokes batsman. 
who's the all rounder? I just put one thing in, in as well, Craig. I think Christian Walton was a good cricketer yeah. down in well, Devon, as a lot of those players. I, I, I'd have him down as an opening batsman, left hander. And we've a... also we've also had a comment in the in the comments tonight from Lee Ooh. Bayless saying that he knows Kieran Slicker and that Slick Slicks, as his nickname, is a good cricketer as well. Ah, fantastic! Nice lad, not that. bad at cricket oh. too. Excellent. So maybe he'd be our. Well, there's there's um, been a few, isn't there? I think, um, yeah, Mickey Stockwell was obviously a good cricketer, wasn't he? Back in the day, Roy McDonough, I know, used to play for Aberton in and around Colchester. Um, I, I would, I'd Walton down as more of a Stuart Broad type um, seamer myself. I think he's got he's a bit, you know, got the levers as as the as the, uh, as the coaches say for that. Um, who else have we got? Are there? An, an, I'd have yeah, Luongo or Morsey could be your nuggety little Alan Lamb type uh, middle order batsman, couldn't they? All all cuts and pulls. Um, I don't know really else. We we need a need a as you say need a spinner, but you need a either a mystery spinner or a left arm spinner really. Um, what do you think, Joe? Leaf Davis could might be your, your Phil Tufnell type left arm darter. Yeah, I think I think Leaf Davis would have a sort of bit craft in there, wouldn't he? And Maybe even Cameron Humphreys might be a decent little cricketer as well. Yeah, I could definitely yeah. see that. George Hurst, you could see as sort of the, the the Jimmy Anderson to Christian Walton, Stuart, Stuart Broad as well. So yeah, one, I one think, to I think, think about, Clark. Craig. Um, Rich has said, can't believe we descended into cricket chat. <laughs> conversations will be had. Indeed, there'll be plenty of these conversations about Ipswich Town cricketers over in the Telegram. Please join us for that. I'm going to dip back into these questions that aren't out of my brain. Um, maybe to try and save this podcast. Um, Philip Blundell, I think you were chatting about it earlier, Joe. Will Leith Davis occupy the left mid- midfield role this season? Could you see us changing formation? Well, like I, said, I, I think it is. I think we are going to be looking for this sort of three-two role as a sort of on-the-ball setup, and maybe I'll, I'll try and find some videos of that that have been put out to tweet on there that people can have a look at. But it, it does mm. seem like. Football goes in phases, doesn't it? And the, the new phase of the big clubs is effectively a three-two-five when they attack. So your defence spreads across the whole pitch. Two sit in front and then five sit in each zone across the pitch. And I think the way McKenna is, and at times we were doing this last year with the sort of five forwards, but it's just, do we want Davis more sort of central as opposed to just out out wide crossing in? I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's difficult, but I think it's, I think it's going to be what we can understand. It's going to be very fluid. Maybe when... Davis goes all the way up the left-hand side of the pitch. Jack Taylor's the one that sits in with Sam Moores and Nathan Broadhead shifts across into the middle. But I do think that is sort of going to be the pattern of play we work with. It's just going to be very, very fluid. I think that's one of the benefits of having, as you referenced Taylor there, Joe, is having him in at this point of pre-season if we are looking to play this this way, is getting him fully versed in what we will need from him should um, Davis end up, you know, 10, 20 yards further up the pitch than him. David Hughes says, what's left to go for you guys? For me, we need a left-sided centre-back and a forward who can cover all four front positions. And that's it for me. Do you think two signings would be enough, Joe? I I think it'll be a bit more than that. I think we need a... I think, yeah, everyone agrees we need this left-sided centre-back, don't they? And I think that, yeah, the, the utility forward as well across there. But I also think and we've been linked a lot with Raksaki from Charlton Crystal Palace, or sorry, from Crystal Palace who was at Charlton last year. But maybe you want him as the sort of competitor to Wes Burns on the right rather than Caden Jackson potentially. So there's an element of that there. So I, I think you 
do there. And then I think there's always an option to upgrade players in the squad as well as that. Do you want to drop out Lee Evans and try and get a central midfielder who's maybe more in this new fluid style that we've got? Maybe you want to, as we spoke about earlier, another strike that will go above um, Ladapo and then let Ladapo go. But I think it is, yeah, the the three for me is a right-sided forward, left-sided centre-back and a utility forward. And then after that, it's sort of one in, one out. Would you go along with that, Craig? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think I think you know everyone's pretty much in agreement about the left-sided centre half. As I say they, earlier, though, they, they'll come at a, a premium because everyone wants them, and it allows again. Joe's referencing um, YouTube uh, videos, and there's plenty out there that also um, refer to left-sided centre halves and how they allow open up pitches and allow teams to teams like us to um, to play the way we want to play. Um, but yeah, I still think that we'll be after a centre forward, regardless if um, the dapper goes or not, because we will still be short should one of those two um, get injured. There's a comment in there as well from Zoroark about Raksaki not being moved on yet. I, I do think sort of the talk that you hear is that it's one that's probably going to happen late in the window, but we're sort of sort of reading from. I know Michael Elise got injured in the. Under twenty ones yeah. and Zaha. Has he actually he... left yet? I don't know. Uh, well, he's he's essentially a free agent that might re-sign at the yeah, moment. So... He's injured so, yes. as well. So Rack Saki will be out out there somewhere, and maybe we pick him up at the end of the window. But I think that'd be a sort of cherry on top sign if we can get him. Hmm. Charlie D, with all the changes that are likely to still happen, it kind of makes Austria a little stranger, maybe at the wrong time. I don't think there's much choices there, really, gents. No, this is the time for the pre-season tour. And whilst there are still changes to happen, realistically, if you're talking a 25-man... Realistically, you've got a 26-man squad, haven't you? Because you're going to have 25 and probably Cameron Humphreys on there. 20, 22 of them are already here, aren't they? 21, 22 of the 26-man squad are already here. It's, it's not like the pre-season two seasons ago where we started pre-season you had about 12 players here for the start of pre-season and that included Brett McGavin, mm-hmm. Armando Dobra, Corian Darba, Toto Enciola, players that weren't sort of seen to be part of it. We're, we're in a position where the squad is there and it's just players, the one and one coming in here and there just to tweak things and obviously Hurst isn't there but he knows where we are with it. So no, I, I think we're in a good position. Okay. Promotion given says that American Arsenal defender is the number one target now. After that, I wouldn't be gutted if we were done for the window. Maybe he'd loan in a young Premier League striker. I think we've already we've already covered that, haven't we? That Joe, Joe thinks that there's going to be more than two. I'd I'd probably be happy with two. Um, Ashley Anton, this is a change of pace. What are the what are the views on the new membership scheme? Um, we'll start with you, Craig, on on that one. That it's the forty pounds to be a Super Blues member and. Being a season ticket holder doesn't really do much for you when it comes to getting away tickets, does it? It all comes down to if you're a Super Blues member and if how many points you've got from previous season. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right, Mikey. It's it's basically now <clears throat> if you're a season ticket holder, thank you very much. You've reserved your seat for the all the home games this season. That's that's your season ticket privilege. Um, and now everyone starts from a blank sheet of paper from a membership perspective, for a priority perspective. 
um, other than if you went to away games last year, which I suppose from that respect is is entirely acceptable because you want to people who are um, more regular followers of away games to have the first choice because it's you know, it's what they do and, and fair play to them. So I think you're always going to upset somebody at some point by doing it a certain way, aren't you? You're never going to please everybody because people always see the downsides if they're being disadvantaged by it. Um, I think what we probably could have done with, <clears throat> excuse me, is probably a Mark Ashton interview to go alongside it rather than it, uh, a simple press release with, you know, these. Mm. this is the information, you know, decipher it how you will. I don't think it would have gone amiss just a five, ten minute interview just to explain why we've done it this way um, and just, you know, clarify and, and try and appease as many people as I can. But, you know, I've got no, I've got no qualms with it personally. You know, I've got a season ticket. So be it, you know, that's my, as I say, that's my seat for the season. I went to X amount of away games last year. So therefore I'll be somewhere in the league table when it comes to, to getting um, priority for away matches. Well, that's, that's what it is. Some, somebody went to 23 away matches last year. They deserve to go to 23 away matches or have first dibs yeah. on 23 away matches this year. So I see it. Absolutely. And, and Joe, Yes, yeah, it doesn't just, really affect you, does it, as the Mr. Corporate Hospitality? Yeah, I, I still need to, to be on the away ticket size. They seem to have sort of toned that down a bit. The only the only things I would say, I think £40 is a little bit too expensive for it just to mm. be a member, just to be able to buy tickets. I think they could that price could be put in half and it would still be expensive for what it is, really. It's, £40 is a lot of money just to be able to buy tickets to away games because that's, that's what it is, isn't it? You're not going to be able to <laughs> potentially get tickets to nearly any games without but it the capitalist all. argument which benjamin bloom would make is we we were crying out for a a well-functioning football club that invested in players and these are the types of things that happen at those clubs isn't it yeah no no and, and I, I do get it i just and I understand it and i will pay it myself so i'm sort of it's hard for me to sort of make too much of a moral standpoint against it when yeah. i go out and pay it myself like about changing kits every season when i go and buy them all <laughs> anyway but like i said i just think 40 pounds a bit too much and I, I think the one year period at the moment when they say it's just going to end is probably too short a period i think that that maybe yeah. should become a sort of two-year rolling period and so, rather than it be just for the season it sort of rolls with it so it is in the last sort of two calendar years how many you've got i said i know friends who who had done it previously at tottenham where it was in the sort of the last three years from the date and your your points dropped off and mm. they knew how many were at each level and they could do it from there. And I'm sure at some point ours ours will get will get to that stage at the moment. It's a bit it's it's new. Things will change with it. But I think we can all agree last year the sort of gold card the gold card argument didn't didn't really work, did it? It nice. was because I think there was I think there was something like 7,000 gold cards by the end of the season as people just bought them. People but... just buy them to go to Cambridge or whatever, weren't they? Yeah, and which, it, is probably, it was... which is probably the reason why they don't want to, they don't want it to be cheap again because people do the same thing again this year, won't it? By virtue of yeah. being 40 quid, you're hopefully stopping people from paying 20 quid just to get priority to buy a ticket at Cambridge. Yeah, and, and it wasn't it wasn't really fair on non season ticket holders, it's because like I say, if you, if you're somebody that lives abroad, so not lives abroad, but lives away somewhere else in the country, somewhere like the northwest, for example, or the southwest, southeast, wherever, <laughs> where, there, where there's where there's grounds around it, and you can't afford or be able to come back to Portman Road every every other week, 
and you do commit to those away games, you, you should be able to find a way to somebody who's just a season ticket holder that maybe wants to go to one away game a season if you're committing to seven or eight. Because yeah. whilst the season ticket's a big commitment and those fans are the, the key fans for the club, ultimately they get their reward by having a seat significantly cheaper than what that could be sold for on the day. And mm. when you look at the cost of the early birds and the renewal price less than the early birds, the season tickets are pretty good value, aren't they, really? Yeah. Well, they certainly were last season, let's put it that way. Mm. A little bit of news as as we've been on air. Uh, Rich Woodward broke that Kane Vincent Young to Wickham Wanderers has been confirmed. Um, happy that he's found found himself a decent decent club in League One, Craig, and could be could be a real asset if he can keep himself fit down at Adams Park. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very happy. He's, he's you know he's a League One player, isn't he? There were rumours about him potentially going back to Colchester, which I'd have thought is a step too low for him. Um, and also with a manager looking to play a certain way which he should fit in nicely with um, it's not as if he's going to play Ainsworth's um, Wickham he's going to play for Matt Bloomfield's Wickham and is that Scott Mitchell went there didn't he he recently um, became head of recruitment or whatever the role is there so that's probably a, a link there somewhere as well which may have helped get it over the line Indeed Joe what you, your thoughts on Vincent Young sorry Yeah no no I think it's a good I think he deserves a Decent League One club, and I think Wickham are that. They, they're a side that would probably expect to be up in the top half of the table, fighting for the playoffs. Obviously, a lot depends on what Matt Bloomfield can get done there, because it's I know it's not his first managerial role, but he went in the Colts, had a very short spell there, and then has gone to Wickham. And it'll be interesting to see what he does. There's obviously the strong Ipswich connection there, like you say, with Scott Mitchell going in as head mm. of recruitment. So it doesn't surprise me that there's players from this side going over, going over there. So no, I, I think he'll do well there. Just hope he can have a good run in the team. I think he was fit most of last season, wasn't he? So, yeah. hopefully he can have that as well. Mm. Michael Warner asks, how do you think our full-back pairing of Clark and JD will do in the Championship? Presumably just means a right-back, Craig. Um, I, I don't think we'll see quite as much of Danesian as we may have this year. I think he'll now move into more of a, a backup rather than an uh, semi-regular um, replacement. I think Clark will be the nailed-on starter um, and then Danassian will fill in where, as and where is needed. But again, as we were talking about potential, um, you know, they'll be hoping that Clark, who's also, you know, played for played for Stoke, hasn't he, in the Championship and did relatively well for half a season, I believe. Um, yeah. But he'll be another one that will be, you know, looking to grow with us and, and improve with us. I'd be Absolutely. more concerned about the left-hand side. The left-hand side, to be honest, in terms of um, Davis and uh, Greg Lee, what they do with Greg Lee, because as has been spoken about elsewhere, and we discussed um, on the group, is he's and we were talking about versatility earlier. He's a guy that can play one position, isn't he? One position only, really. Do you, do you get Cam Humphreys playing that role? Could happen. Spoken, you've spoken about it before. He's definitely fit enough. He's he's got the technique, but it's just whether he's going to get that time on the training pitch playing in that position. Um, yeah, I, I just think though, when you look at Davis, the player most like him in the squad with regards to sort of the technical side and the mm. on the ball, the engine, the sort of competitiveness is Cameron Humphreys. But we'll see. We will see. 
Blagger 101, whilst news of her signing is excellent news, in order to be successful, town need another striker. My first choice would be Tom Cannon of Everton. Are there any other names out there that you're interested in, Craig? I know Surridge at, at mm. Nottingham Forest is one that's been, well, I don't want to say heavily linked, but he's been linked. Yeah, I think um, I read a few days ago, maybe over the weekend, that Sunderland were sniffing around um, Cannon, I think, to improve their firepower. Um, so, yeah, I, I, as you say, the, the names that have been bandied around, wouldn't, well, wouldn't say no to any of them. Surridge would be, as Joe was saying, probably a step up on Hurst and therefore um, allow the Dapper to move on. He'd be the type of signing that would be a, a level above Hurst, um, as we're talking about continually improving and um, raising the ceiling. Rob Holmes is touting Josh, Josh Madger on a free, Joe. I haven't seen a lot of him since Sunderland Till I Die, where yeah. he sort of played a strange <laughs> role in that series, didn't he? Uh, was it Bordeaux, was it? Was it somewhere out there? Oh, yeah. To France. Yeah. But um, he's, um, yeah, looked looked a really good player at that stage. But it's hard to judge, isn't it? But there's, there's obviously good players out there. Tom Cannon's a good player. And we seem to be sort of grouped in with sort of like Coventry, Sunderland, especially that, that sort of level. But you would have thought teams like Sunderland are also after... A striker, aren't they? Um, mm. You know, they, they're in more probably in more desperate need of one than than we are as of today. Yeah, we'll we'll see, but it's it's less of less desperation now, isn't it? We now we have that centre forward through the door. I feel I feel relatively confident going up to Sunderland. We're not quite where we perhaps need to be, but now we've got that striker. We've kind of got good players in every position, haven't we? Um, with backup as well. Flim Flam, this was a nice comment from him early on. Is it true that David Diamond's first car was an Austin trustee? Um, <laughs> quite possibly. Um, David Bergen, big fan of the show. He became a granddad for the first time last week. So congratulations to you, David. Um, and I'm sure you'll be able to bring your grandchild over across to England to watch your beloved Ipswich at some point over the next Hopefully few years. Hopefully already got already got the Ipswich Town onesie and, and bib and booties and all that malarkey. There's there's plenty there, I think, available. Lovely. Or Blue Monday, um, sorry, Blue, not not um, ITFC ones. There's, I'm sure there's a Blue Monday onesie, isn't there? Or oh, we can we can fashion a, a neckerchief into a yeah, onesie. I'm s- certain there is, yeah. <laughs> Just s- scratching for the, um, <laughs> the right. Oh, yes. Here we are. Yeah, oh, I yeah, can't see a can't see a onesie on here, but I'm sure it is available on our Blue Monday merch um, site. Look on our website or on our Twitter page for more details. Please <laughs> hit like if you haven't already. Um, keep your eyes peeled on the YouTube channel because, like I said, my top ten signings is probably going to be dropping over the next few few days. There's going to be more of that type of thing, and then there's going to be more reactions to the proper friendly games. Hopefully, we'll get to watch those on Town TV, Joe. Heard anything about that? The only thing I've heard is that the friendlies in Austria, not not the ones we played this weekend, but when we play the tournament in Innsbruck against Werder Bremen and Red Bull Leipzig, those games will be on Town TV. So they're what, best part of two weeks away, are they? So 29th of July, I think they are, but and, or 28th maybe. But and other than that, no, I haven't heard anything. Okay, so Craig... Uh, any final words or anything you'd like to plug before we go? Uh, plugging, no, no, no. Just uh, 
just say yeah enjoy the rest of your summer everybody if we don't chat anytime soon um yeah try not to harass any any more yeah. transfer targets how about that yeah maybe the harassment was what got it over the line so <laughs> we don't know do we excellent thanks everyone for watching um thanks craig thanks joe and good night It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.